With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Since I was born, I've 97.1 The Freak, as you heard just now on the legal ID, unless you're listening on the podcast, in which case you probably didn't get the legal ID. Now you probably got some advertisement yeah, that, uh, for a podcast with Freddie Prince Jr., which no, I, that seems the, compelling. It was the one with the uh, microwave sounds. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's Dirt Bag Culture Hour. That band playing in the background is Geese, a great new Brooklyn band. Very cool stuff happening up there. They're embracing the Grateful Dead in Williamsburg, which I'm thrilled for. Uh, Geese, if you're listening, you're playing at Club Dada in November. Son of Stan wants to open. Oh, so that'd be nice. Yeah, nice move, power move. Uh, that's right. They don't have a radio show on a hard hitting. They're not up there at WABC on Saturday afternoons. Mm-hmm. Is that in New York? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, no, it's WNBC. WNBC. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Is it where Stern was on? Uh-huh. Okay. I'm just making sure. Well, that's why it's got the scene in private parts where they say it that way. Right, right, right. Yeah. Now, I remember. Pig um, vomit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Is that the drop guy? The, no. the program director. Paul card guy. Paul, okay. Man, I need to, I'm getting my butt kicked. Mm-hmm. I need to go back and watch that. You got a lot going on. It We're feels having, like uh, it's like it's stirring in here if, today, though. I don't know if that's <laughs> uh, a loss for a pig vomit or not. You know, like to get Paul Giamatti to play you in the movie, don't you feel like? I mean, like Howard's getting to write the narrative. I doubt that that's how the story went down in Pig Vomit's mind. That he was just there trying to wreck the Howard Stern show. Yeah, well, Pig Vomit should get his own movie then. But I mean, yeah, in, in that sense, he's losing. He's never going to get his own movie. But is it ever really a loss if Paul Giamatti's playing you? I'm trying to think of the Paul Giamatti characters running through. No, no. I'm saying like he's he's a nice guy, you know. Like, yeah, it's it's cool. He seems cool. Yeah, he played Jerry Heller. For yeah, I'd love that. He certainly did. Uh, for a long time, I I did think that it was just a weird coincidence that he and Bart Giamatti had the same name. And <laughs> I found out it is actually his son. Paul is Bart's son. That's incredible. I thought it was his nephew. I think it's when it's, and when I it's, looked it up recently. When it's a nephew thing, it's like, oh, okay, you know, that's just uncle that you see. It, uh, yeah. But when it's... Paul Giamatti uh, was commissioner. Bart Giamatti was commissioner. Okay. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul Giamatti was in a movie about wine. Yeah, his parent was... Sideways. A that's right. Giamatti. <clears throat> Miles. Yeah, yeah, that's a great movie. Let's do sideways talk Don't on this be segment. Miles. Yeah, no chance. <laughs> A movie about wine? Shoot me in the ass. Movie head. about Santa Barbara, though. We were just discussing Santa Barbara. Yeah. Yeah. We have been talking Barbie. And uh, we're, we're, we were kind of <clears throat> we're kind of talking the summer blockbuster season, season in general. And uh, I feel like I feel like Barbie and Oppenheimer are the same film. And I feel like Mission okay. Impossible touches on the same 
on the same topics. And I think that it all happening at once, you know, there, there, the Venn diagram, there's a lot of overlap in all three of those movies. And I think it's just that there's a lot of existential crises going on in the minds of both production studios and directors these days. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been saying, I've said it several times on recent shows, so I should probably stop repeating it so that I don't uh, sound stale. Um, but, you know. A all, good opinion's a good opinion, man. All art's about man's search for meaning. Yeah, you can say that. You say and, it every uh, week. Uh, you know, it, it, it does. It, it is coming at you pretty strong in all of these. Barbie probably forefronting it the most. Yeah, I'd say They're so. They're being very direct. Like, it's, it's, it's talking to God about why I'm here. That's, yeah. a, that's a scene in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, that is true. And you get you get some of that in Oppenheimer, but you're right. You don't get it as directly. Yeah. But you get sort of, there is talk about one's own destruction. There's talk about destruction of the whole world. Uh, there's a point in both movies at which now everything from this point forward is going to be different in the world. Um. I don't know. You can draw parallels a lot in a lot of different movies, but I would say that like Barbie and Oppenheimer are closer together than Sideways and Necessary Roughness, you mm -hmm. know. So, <laughs> yeah. And then Mission Impossible brings it all together because in, you know, uh, J Robert Oppenheimer became a god, Barbie became truly herself, which in a in particular viewpoints and worldviews, that is like becoming a god. And Tom Cruise over here in Mission Impossible is God, has mm -hmm. become God. Yeah. So there's the parallel there. Yeah. Um. What What are you like? What What were your big thoughts on Barbie? Do you feel like you've already gotten them out? I I, I, I feel like I've been I talking a lot. I want to hear. No, I I thought it was fantastic. I thought for as good. You know, I'm here I'm I'm making comparisons and that's kind of the 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 trajectory I want to take here is that like I think Oppenheimer was as good as a movie about Robert Oppenheimer could be and I think Barbie was as good about a movie about like the role of dolls and the and the role for I mean who am I to speak on the experience of of a young woman but like what that might be like. So because those two things are the same to me, I think they're both as good they're both perfect movies. Yeah. I thought. And my main takeaway from Barbie is that it was hilarious. Again, like I reiterated before, it does touch on compelling social points, but I thought none of them were in a way that I was, that anybody should really get bent out of shape about. Um, you've got Will Ferrell in there. <laughs> you know, you got a great, you got the great equalizers of Will Ferrell and Michael Sarah, you know, just on top of their game, being funny. Love seeing Sarah. He popped up in Black Mirror too. I hope we're in the middle of a Sarah Renaissance. I would like to think so too, because he just he just dipped for a while. He just chilled. He probably enjoyed life. And I, I a lot of money in the bank. Probably I'm had some super sure bad that's back end. Him, right? Like, like I think that he can do whatever. Like maybe not. Like he gets to be Mission Impossible if he feels like it. <clears throat> but whatever. Yeah. There's some people that whenever they go away, like I, uh, I'm a big fan of following Tara Reid on social media, uh -huh. yeah. and it's pretty apparent that she didn't make the choice to step back. Yeah, you're right. And Whereas I think that Sarah could definitely, because whatever, like he's made way more weird art movies that I've never seen than sure. he made big movies to begin with. Yeah. And uh, going from I'm only going to make weird art movies to, you know what, I'm actually not going to do anything. I'm just going to meditate in the desert. Right. It's a pretty small step. Right, right, right. right. Well, there's a, you know, a difference between being infamous like Tara Reid and then kind of being famous. And I think if... 
if uh, if it's for your line of work and for the thing that makes you money and an entire generation more or less has heard of you, then that I feel like that's the normal barometer for like you probably have it. You're probably fine. You can probably write your own ticket. And because most people our age know who Michael Sarah is, he falls into that category of like, I bet he can probably do what it is that he wants. Again, he might not have the biggest house in Beverly Hills, but he probably has exactly what he wants. And it yeah. begs the question, did he get back in on Superbad and did he get back in on uh, the DVD sales of uh, Arrested Development? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe he yeah. did, but he's been he's been doing great. And when he pops up, it's always... It's always a thrill. I think Scott Pilgrim made a decent amount of money. That's a good movie. I would hope that he gets some of that. But yeah, um, hopping. You ready to hop in the Mission Impossible? Yeah, let's jump good? over. Um, yeah, so let's you jump know. on the train. Let's skydive onto the train that is Mission Impossible. Artificial intelligence is something I've been laser focused on for a long time. Uh, TC historians will note that the first time that I got the chance to do a terrestrial radio program that I was hosting, I did, Jake and I did a segment about, hey, do you guys understand that this is all anyone's going to talk about in 10 years? Beautiful. And now here we are 10 years later, and I feel pretty good about yeah, my, uh, my call. You're right. From um, the SAG after strike to, uh, you know, getting your oil change, it's all talk of AI. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, with how much it's talked about, I don't know that we've yet hit anything close to the limit on good art about it. And seeing them put that into a giant Hollywood blockbuster was pretty satisfying for me. Yeah, it was the most current, compelling, you know, depiction of what AI's potential power is yeah it was it was really standing out to me how much they had updated previous artistic attempts to display it because you know the i man i i i don't remember the details exactly but i was reading something of someone writing about ai and they claimed that there was some story uh like a myth written in like 600 ad that is like dealing with the idea that man could make something that's more capable than man you know like you it, whenever you start to have technology like the first time we uh you know pick up a rock yeah. to uh use it for a purpose sure like you're you've started down the path of like you know i am building things now yeah and so it's easy enough to like ask yourself the question what happens when i build something that does more than i can do right uh, well, that's the whole story of 2001 space odyssey you know like from the primate with the rock to ai in the spaceship Con controlling yeah i've had it on the background a couple times i don't really know what it's <laughs> you're gonna about. love it it's a it's about ai um but like you know the the to my mind the big previous thing that this is uh kind of walking in the footsteps of is terminator uh-huh and this is such a it it's not like the it's not like they treated it like Terminator said everything that you could say about the ways in which AI would manifest itself. Like, this is so much more complete in a certain way. I mean, like, nuclear war is pretty complete. But uh, this is just so different than that. It's not... They're not just stopping at imagining, okay, the computer's get in control and then they fire all the nukes. It's like, no, the computer's getting in control and then everything in your reality that is mediated digitally becomes unreliable. And what implications does that have for your life? And for that to be right. tackled in something like that, that's the thing that we keep on saying about right. all these movies. Right. I can't believe how good popular culture, because this is the most popular culture stuff and yeah. the, for the widest possible audience, but they're still like you know I, really complicated ideas it's great to see it's uh, it's the kind of thing where 
it's it makes the greatest villain you could imagine because it's behind it's beyond comprehension it's something that you could imagine is out of our control so in a way that you'd call a normal like bond villain or mission impossible villain is like it you know, uh, a despot or someone who had a bad childhood <laughs> or someone who's angry at the way they were treated in the world. And in this case, it paints a picture of a new out of control um, villain because it's not necessarily doing it for nefarious reasons. The villain is just doing what it is, what is its true nature, which was initially designed by the imperfect human. Yeah, I don't even know if we have a real understanding of yet of what the AI wants because this is a two-part movie. It is a two-part movie. And we'll have another one in a couple there, of years. There's a quest for a key. The mission in and of itself is to find a key. And the only way to stop this particular villain, or in this case, the thing that will take over the world, which I guess is kind of every villain. Usually they've got the nuke pointed at DC or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, we don't know what, it, it's going to stop the machine, and, it, and we possibly might know what the machine wants. Yeah. We do know that there is one character in the movie uh, who's appeared in previous movies to be Tom Cruise's major heel. I don't think he has. Ethan, uh, but Gabriel? Yeah. I thought Gabriel was in one of the earlier ones, but you watched them all recently. So I will... The, if he was in one, it's either one or two, yeah, which are the ones that I say are not really part of the canon. Fair. You but know, I it, think he is in the first one. You think so? I was, I was looking it up and I don't, I don't, I, I kind of remember them saying the word Gabriel, but the thing that they're depicting is, uh, Gabriel forcing Ethan into the IMF by, and in the first one, he's already in the IMF. He's already in it. Right. Yeah. That's always great when you get, like, towards the end of a serial series, you'll get the origin story, which is always a cool way to do it, you know? You think this whole time, like you say, when you're just thrown into the world of accepting Ethan being part of, uh, you know, the IMS or whatever. That's what it is, right? I'm terrible with... uh with uh i'm terrible with words honestly but when things when i'm pretty bad with character names i've decided i've i have to jot them down and i've just given up on that so i'm just like you know the one tom cruise plays whichever his name is yeah there's no one named gabriel in the cast of the first mission okay is there someone named gabriel in the cast there yeah kittredge has been around i remember when kittredge had brown hair yeah (laughs) And uh, as my wife pointed out, he had a vein under his eye that you couldn't take your eyes off of. If this, it just the whole time, it just. I, once I saw it, I couldn't. I couldn't be torn away from it either. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for anyone no. Uh, you know who has not uh, seen it yet, it's it's yeah. There's a, a computer program that's uh, you know running out of control and has, has broken containment and is controlling you know various things around the world on some sort of plan that we don't yet know what is, but they've in- employed uh, one of Ethan's oldest enemies to uh, carry out their bidding uh, for the, you know, game theory reason of, like, you know, if, if, if they can make Ethan kill him, that's good for that. Like, he's got the, the information, so if Ethan kills him, then no one has the information, and that's the computer's benefit. Um, but if Ethan doesn't kill him, then, then he's probably going to kill Ethan. That's also to the computer's benefit. It's pretty tricky stuff. It is. Hasn't Tom Cruise outside, in Tom Cruise world, not not representing any movie or anything but representing his religion and his views on the world has his religion uh you know you know what it is it's not church of christ scientist but it sounds sort of similar okay which i thought they were the same thing when i was younger but in the purview of tom cruise's 
religion. Hasn't he made public statements about his stance on AI and his know. stance on futurism and things of that nature? Elon certainly did. Yeah, yeah, Elon does. I I feel like Tom Cruise penned a letter or something, and this is the foremost expert on Tom Cruise, at least in the Metroplex setting to my right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought... He, <laughs> I go down some Tom Cruise rabbit holes. So yeah, I, I thought he might have done that, but, you know, like... You can't help... Oh, and this is something I wanted to say. When the movie starts, it's the first thing after that initial long sequence, you know, that 20-minute sequence before the opening titles. You know what it says, the first title? Hmm. A Tom Cruise production. Ooh. <laughs> uh, you know, he's a big deal, It didn't dude. say Paramount Pictures Presents. It didn't say... I mean, Skydance was listed after... Uh, Tom Cruise production. Paramount Pictures was listed after. And the, what gets you top billing and a credit is who paid the most money for it. And Tom Cruise paid the most money for this. And I will say a couple times that there were some, like, I know he didn't, I know McQuarrie's style, that's his name, right? Christopher yeah, McQuarrie? Christopher McQuarrie. Um, I know his style as a director can have some weird extended pacing, but there was some odd pacing in this. It just looked like Tom's fingerprints are all over the cut of this movie. If, I mean, if, Tom's fingerprints are all over Christopher's career. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And so, the same thing. Right. You're, you're right. And so the way that that unfolds itself, I can't just... I, I couldn't help but really feel, and again, you know, kind of like talking about Barbie, I didn't take it too seriously, but I couldn't help but feel the touch of Tom Cruise's agenda on this movie and what he's trying to say. You feel, I really feel his personal beliefs coming through. And his acting aside, like, he acted more in Maverick than he did in this movie. In this movie, he's acting, of course, and because he's jumping off of things and, like, being amazing person. But when I'm talking about, like, just conversationally and, like, just doing the normal actor things that actors do when there's a medium close-up on him, he's become so weird. He can't even be comfortable in a movie. You think so? Yeah. I, I, just to me, it reads as weird. Like when he's having that, I like it. It makes me laugh. It's kind of the most charming thing about him. But like when he, when they get into the little, uh, Fiat or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, that's the little mm -hmm. hyper super electric car thing and he's fumbling around with it. He just is like, his acting is clunky and odd and he, he sort of looks like he, did on Oprah when he's jumping on the couch a little bit. He's just become bigger than himself, and I really see that when I'm watching him. And I didn't go into that thinking like, oh man, I'm going to see Tom Cruise being awkward on screen, but it just felt that way a little bit. More so than it did in Maverick, but this is, you know, several years later this movie's been made. Yeah, I uh, I, I, I guess I, I'm not fully uh, interpreting whether or not you're saying it's a good or a bad thing that his uh, ideas are so imprinted on the movie, but I, I don't I don't think it's bad. I, I don't have any problem with yeah, I guess I don't, thinking about AI. And I, I guess I don't think it's bad either, but I just know like... Some I'm interested of, in Tom Cruise making art about AI. Right. Some of the things that are rooted in some of his opinions that I find troublesome and, <laughs> and some of the things he espouses and people he endorses and ideas that he tends to endorse, I see them coming through in a way that like, you know... I, I'm putting myself at risk saying this on the public airwaves, but you know, like the church's stance on psychology and stuff like that. Yeah, of course. And so I see some of that and I'm, I'm not altogether here to disagree with Tom Cruise that we need to pump the brakes on AI and such, but I just see it as like a, a more narrow agenda that he might be trying to put forth a little bit. And I do, I really do think that he thinks he might be God. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> we don't, we all, it's an open question. I think it'd be a little arrogant to say that he's not. 
Yeah, fair. You're right. You're right. Um, that question was a rose a couple yeah, times no, it's with not people like throughout I, the week. It's not like I give Tom uh, carte blanche. You know, like I, I think it's worthy of criticism that one of his best friends uh, uh, in Trattler, um imprisoned his own wife and uh, hasn't let her out to the public for a decade now. <laughs> I've got a problem with that, yeah. to be frank. Um, but, you know, I... I the whole uh his journey to Scientology broadly I find fairly sympathetic. Like uh whatever you see I, I think we I think it was the episode Alex was on. Mm-hmm. I, I talked about this briefly, so I don't want to just like regurgitate the same points, but uh whatever like it, it's it's really funny how little is known about the earlier parts of his life. Um and I guess I'd he like went to, to talk seminary, about that right? Hard. Yeah. Well yeah. but even that was he didn't say that. Like okay. one of the guys in seminary with him was like oh yeah he was uh he was in seminary uh like i think that he has told a version of his life that like doesn't include that chapter at all if if, if his life story parallels his character of frank tj Mackey in magnolia in the interview scene when <laughs> yeah. a lot of things are brought up about his past and the way that he gets upset with people interviewing him yeah uh, but he, he was in seminary. He got kicked out for drinking. Um, he got kicked off his high school football team for drinking. His mother had to escape his father. Like, you know, it was just like a leave with the kids in the middle of the night type situation. Yeah. Um, you know, like, and that, that to me suggests why he might have had the early problem with drinking. And so if he's in this situation where, like, he's got these giant problems presented in life, he's not been given a blueprint for how to successfully go through things without turning to alcohol as a teenager you know like he's in high school getting which you know listen i understand drinking in high school you know that's uh, all of the people that i hung out with uh but i i because of that i can tell you it's it's not a sign of like things going well yeah um and so you know like he's he's just a, a classic person who's like he's adrift he's begging for some kind of thing to come along and be the father that his father flatly refused to be and so for someone to show up, you'd be like, you know, for David Miscavige to step in and be like, I could be your daddy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, like that, that all work. You like that. I, I don't condemn anyone for that. You know, like yeah, I, I condemn yeah, his yeah. dad, you yeah, know, but I, certainly. I don't condemn Tom. And then, you know, like I said, I do condemn the, you know, the, 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 then this father figure, like, you know, uh, <laughs> traps his wife in a secret base in the, in the hills yeah. and doesn't let her out. I think that's bad. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think all of his journey, he sounds like a human to me. Yeah. I like that the movie is about friendship, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, it the, always the, is. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that main that main thing that's kind of said. They're all embarrassed to say it, and uh, you know, I I just find it like it's friendship at the end of the world. Was kind of like what I would probably be my my Mission Impossible dead reckoning tagline would be friendship at the end of the world. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, again, you get that in Oppenheimer, you get that in Barbie. I think these are. I think this is the Trinity. It is the Holy Trinity of twenty twenty three you know summer blockbuster obviously and maybe for years to come but uh it's there's you can't help i know movies are just a comment on on what we're doing in life out here in the real world but you can't help but like i drew major parallels through all of these movies or at least i had fun doing it as an exercise yeah yeah no i, I think you're right i support your yeah. your points what about um, saw patrol dude Saw no. We got Barbieheimer. Not doing it. You're not going to do Saw Patrol, which no. is AO Saw, the new Saw and the new Paw Patrol come out the same Friday. 
So there's going to be Saw Patrol. <laughs> Bizarre parallels. That you're, yeah. And I haven't seen any of these three Trinity ones yet, but I I have seen Asteroid City and I own it now. So oh, beautiful. I'm putting parallels between Asteroid City and Oppenheimer. That's amazing. That's something sure. I wanted to run out and see and still haven't <clears throat> seen yet. But oh, no. You're kidding me. I feel, yeah, I know. It's a bummer. I feel like the order that I saw the three films in influenced which ones I liked best because I heard some people on the station and otherwise saying that they think Mission Impossible was the best film out of the three interesting and I would put oh. it in my bronze category yeah, just I, be, I, I mean it's, it's amazing but it, it it just it just was something that you know was groundbreaking in some ways but not not in a way that those other two were but yeah it's no, not I, it's not a race you know I'm not in the academy so it doesn't matter we'll see Oppenheimer will be Nominated. I bet Barbie could get a nod. I feel like it might get a, a at least nod. for like production stuff. Yeah, I think it might get a best picture nod though. Yeah, we'll yeah, I, yeah. I'd be surprised if it didn't. Yeah, really. But yeah, I, I got a lot more to say about Mission Impossible. I'd love to do that next. It's ninety-seven one. The freak. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.